guests at the Metropole, and we settled that Dr. Polpera was to call at the hotel at a certain fixed hour to sign the warranty and receive his money. A regular agreement on sound stamped paper was drawn out between us. At the appointed time, the party of the first part came, having already given us over possession of the portrait, Charles drew a cheque for the amount agreed upon and signed it. Then he handed it to the doctor. Polpero just clutched at it. Meanwhile, I took up my post by the door, while two men in plain clothes, detectives from the police station, stood as men-servants and watched the windows. We feared lest the impostor, once he had got the cheque, should dodge us somehow, as he had already done at Nice and in Paris. The moment he had pocketed his money with a smile of triumph, I advanced to him rapidly. I had in my possession a pair of handcuffs. Before he knew what was happening, I had slipped them on his wrists and secured them dexterously while the constable stepped forward. "'We have got you this time,' I cried. "'We know who you are, Dr. Polpero. "'You are Colonel Clay, alias Señor Antonio Herrera, "'alias the Reverend Richard P. Plow Brabazon.' "'He was utterly flabbergasted. "'Charles thought he must have expected to get clear away at once,' and that this prompt action on our part had taken the fellow so much by surprise as simply to unman him. He gazed about him as if he hardly realized what was happening. "'Are these two raving maniacs?' he asked at last. "'Or what do they mean by this nonsensical gibberish about Antonio Herrera?' The constable laid his hand on the prisoner's shoulder. "'It's all right, my man,' he said. "'We've got warrants out against you. "'I arrest you, Edward Polpero, "'alias the Reverend Richard Peeplow Brabazon, "'on a charge of obtaining money under false pretenses "'from Sir Charles Vandrift, KCMG, MP, "'on his sworn information now here subscribed to.' for Charles had had the thing drawn out in readiness beforehand. Our prisoner drew himself up. "'Look here, officer,' he said in an offended tone. "'There's some mistake here in this matter. I have never given an alias at any time in my life. How do you know this is really Sir Charles Vandrift? It may be a case of bullying personation.' "'My belief is, though, they're a pair of escaped lunatics.' "'We'll see about that tomorrow,' the constable said, collaring him. "'At present you've got to go off with me quietly to the station, "'where these gentlemen will enter up the charge against you.' "'They carried him off, protesting. "'Charles and I signed the charge sheet.' and the officer locked him up to await his examination next day before the magistrate. We were half afraid, even now, the fellow would manage somehow to get out on bail and give us the slip, in spite of everything, and indeed he protested in the most violent manner against the treatment to which we were subjecting 
a gentleman in his position. But Charles took care to tell the police it was all right, that he was a dangerous and peculiarly slippery criminal, and that on no account must they let him go, on any pretext whatever, till he had been properly examined before the magistrates. We learned at the hotel that night, curiously enough, that there really was a Dr. Polpero, a distinguished art critic, whose name, we didn't doubt, our impostor had been assuming. Next morning, when we reached the court, an inspector met us with a very long face. "'Look here, gentlemen,' he said, "'I'm afraid you've committed a very serious blunder.' "'You've made a precious bad mess of it. "'You've got yourselves into a scrape, "'and what's worse, you've got us into one also. "'You were a deal too smart with your sworn information. "'We've made inquiries about this gentleman, "'and we find the account he gives of himself is perfectly correct. "'His name is Polpero. "'He's a well-known art critic and collector of pictures.' employed abroad by the National Gallery. He was formerly an official in the South Kensington Museum, and he's a CB and LLD, very highly respected. You've made a sad mistake, that's where it is, and you'll probably have to answer a charge of false imprisonment, in which I'm afraid you have also involved our own department." Charles gasped with horror. "'You haven't let him out,' he cried, "'on those absurd representations. "'You haven't let him slip through your hands "'as you did the murderer fellow?' "'Let him slip through our hands?' the inspector cried. "'I only wish he would. "'There's no chance of that, unfortunately. "'He's in the court there this moment, "'breathing out fire and slaughter against you both.' "'and we're here to protect you if he should happen to fall upon you. "'He's been locked up all night on your mistaken affidavits, "'and, naturally enough, he's mad with anger.' "'If you haven't let him go, I'm satisfied,' Charles answered. "'He's a fox for cunning. "'Where is he? Let me see him.' "'We went into the court.' There we saw our prisoner conversing amicably in the most excited way with the magistrate, who, it seems, was a personal friend of his, and Charles at once went up and spoke to them. Dr. Pulpero turned round and glared at him through his passé. The only possible explanation of this person's extraordinary and incredible conduct, he said, is that he must be mad, and his secretary equally so. He made my acquaintance, unasked, on a glass seat on the King's Road, invited me to go on his coach to lose, volunteered to buy a valuable picture of me, and then, at the last moment, unaccountably, gave me in charge on this silly and preposterous trumped-up accusation. I demand a summons for false imprisonment. Suddenly it began to dawn upon us that the tables were turned. By degrees it came out that we had made a mistake. 
Dr. Polpero was really the person he represented himself to be, and had been, always. His picture, we found out, was the real Maria Van Rennen, and a genuine Rembrandt, which he had merely deposited for cleaning and restoring at the suspicious dealer's, Sir J. H. Tomlinson had been imposed upon and cheated by a cunning Dutchman. His picture, though also an undoubted Rembrandt, was not the Maria, and was an inferior specimen in bad preservation. The authority we had consulted turned out to be an ignorant, self-sufficient quack. The Maria, moreover, was valued by other experts at no more than five or six thousand guineas. Charles wanted to cry off his bargain, but Dr. Polpero naturally wouldn't hear of it. The agreement was a legally binding instrument, and what passed in Charles's mind at that moment had nothing to do with the written contract. Our adversary only consented to forego the action for false imprisonment on condition that charles inserted a printed apology in the times and paid him five hundred pounds compensation for damage to character so that was the end of our well-planned attempt to arrest the swindler not quite the end however for of course after this, the whole affair got by degrees into the papers. Dr. Polpero, who was a familiar person in literary and artistic society, as it turned out, brought an action against the so-called expert who had declared against the genuineness of his alleged Rembrandt, and convicted him of the grossest ignorance and misstatement. Then paragraphs got about, the world showed us up in a sarcastic article, and truth, which has always been terribly severe upon Charles and all other South Africans, had a pungent set of verses on high art in Kimberley. By this means, as we suppose, the affair became known to Colonel Clay himself, for a week or two later my brother-in-law received a cheerful little note on scented paper from our persistent sharper. It was couched in these terms. Oh, you innocent infant! Bless your ingenuous little heart! And did it believe, then, it had positively caught the redoubtable colonel? and had it ready a nice little pinch of salt to put upon his tail and is it true its respected name is sir simple simon how heartily we have laughed white heather and i at your neat little ruses it would pay you by the way to take white heather into your house for six months to instruct you in the agreeable sport of amateur detectives your charming naivete quite moves our envy. So you actually imagined a man of my brains would condescend to anything so flat and stale as the silly and threadbare old master deception. And this, in the so-called nineteenth century. Oh, sancta simplicitas! 
when again shall such infantile transparency be mine when ah when but never mind dear friend though you didn't catch me we shall meet before long at some delightful philippi yours with the profoundest respect and gratitude antonio herrera otherwise richard peplo brabazon charles laid down the letter with a deep-drawn sigh see my boy he mused aloud no fortune on earth not even mine can go on standing it these perpetual drains begin really to terrify me i foresee the end i shall die in a workhouse what with the money he robs me of when he is colonel clay and the money i waste upon him when he isn't colonel clay the man is beginning to tell upon my nervous system i shall withdraw altogether from this worrying life i shall retire from a scheming and polluted world to some untainted spot in the fresh pure mountains you must need rest and change i said when you talk like that let us try the tyrol End of chapter 3